Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back. Well, we're here. We're we're back. I feel like we're back because I just did a show the other day, but you're listening to this on another Cincy Brewcast Monday if you're listening to the podcast or um, happy, I think it's, what, Tuesday right now if you're <laughs> listening live on Facebook. So if uh, you're joining us live, thank you very much. Um, we are... At Rivertown, Monroe. This is our first show from Monroe. Um, the last show that uh, we did with you guys, it was getting close. Everybody was oh, yeah. uh, nice and stressed and ready for it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that stress ever went away. <laughs> <laughs> no, no it's, it, the stresses, I think, uh, always just kind of shift and change and That's right. redirect themselves. Joined by Jason Roper. Um, the I've called you the mythical unicorn of Rivertown <laughs> because we've been trying to get you on the show for so long and haven't been able to uh, oh, to nab you, gosh. but um, your wonderful wife Lindsay made it happen. Yes. She twisted your arm yes. and made you get on the show with us. Yeah, she she threatened me with lack of sex. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> That's how it always works. <laughs> so welcome to Cincy Brewcast. Thank um, you. We always kick things off kind of the easy way. We drink beer. It's uh, a segment that we call. From the beer fridge. Because when we started the show, it was almost always a studio show, and we had our beer fridge, and we just grabbed whatever bottles we had bought during the week, and we tried them, and we drank them. As we started going to breweries, it should probably say from the beer tap or something like that. But um, it's actually a good thing to start with, because one of the biggest reasons that we booked the show kind of when we did is kind of this relaunch of a couple new beers, and uh, a couple of them are here, so... Um, Absolutely. You don't have a beer in front of you, so this is going to... No, 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 no. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> just, live vicariously I'm sure you've, through I'm you. I'm sure you've drank them plenty of times and know <laughs> what they taste like. So um, let's start with the lager since it's um, the light end of the spectrum. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, are we considering this kind of a flagship kind of beer or... No, no, actually, um, you know... Fulfilling a need more uh, well, than... Well, you know, we kind of just... Gave up on the whole. We're, we're trying to I, I, come up with something new uh, and went with something. I started the wrong uh, end. That is not a logger. I was going to say that looked a little darker than uh, <laughs> what I remember I the logger looking sitting like, backwards. In I wasn't going to stop you, <laughs> and then I look like the idiot. Um, but uh, no, we we had been making a, a couple of light loggers through the years, and uh, you know, obviously, one of the first beers we ever made was our Hellas Lager, right? Uh, which was successful in this area. It just didn't sell very well outside of Cincinnati, um, and. We were finding that more and more people were gravitating towards the lagers and the lighter styles because, you know, it's kind of a, a, a I don't want to say a forgotten style. I mean, people still make these beers, and um, but it's it's something that you, you kind of always go back to. It's like, boy, you know, having a nice beer to go mow the lawn with or just a in-between refresher, something that's not sitting there with 6 7 8% alcohol and you're completely trashed. Well, and, and with the, uh, the, the barbecue restaurant that you guys have here, which we'll talk yes. about because it's amazing, you know, sometimes when you're sitting down for dinner, you may not want a big glass of Lambic, which, by the way, it does go really good with barbecue. But, um, <laughs> I agree, too. There are a lot of people that right. may not want that with their dinner and just kind of want an easy drinking, kind of lighter, lager-style beer. And Absolutely. This fits that need, too. But along with you guys kind of bringing a style like this back, it got kind of this, this refresh, too, of this mm-hmm. packaging design that kind of launched with it and kind of this this... This this new look for Rivertown's packaging, along with the new look for Rivertown, yeah. Um, it uh, so it's it's kind of a in a lot of ways it's a throwback to kind of what you guys kind of started doing when you were down in Lockland and you had kind of the sours and then kind of the the traditional German kind of stuff too. A lot of ways it's this new kind of refreshing change too. So sure, absolutely. Talk a little bit about the. Uh, the, the decision to kind of refresh the packaging. Well, it, it kind of came with, you know, the move. I mean, we, we came to Monroe. We had some, uh, I don't want to say marginal. When, when Back in 2014, we really rebranded and kind of broke away. That's when we changed the logo, uh, which was pretty dramatic for some people. You know, we did away with some beer styles that people were upset with. Some people were happy to see go, you know. Um, and, I still uh, think I can hear people complaining about the dunkle going on. <laughs> Which we have brought that back a few times, <laughs> right? In all fairness, um, you know, but um, we wanted to really finally, as as we moved in here, it was time for a full on change, and it was time to um, really invest. And you know, our our latest packaging, we 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 spent a lot of money. I don't mind sharing that information with you, and and hired in a designer to 
really hone in on you know what makes makes us unique. Tommy really Inc. Right is the name of the yes, name. yes. Um, so he's kind of branched out on his own. Came from a much larger firm, um, and uh, really, really, really. Uh, I think he identified the brand and was able to bring that uh, to our packaging and to our you know. Uh, when I, I love on the packaging, it kind of has. You know, the description of the beer, obviously, but then there's this other little section of text that kind of tells you who or what it's for, you know, kind of, right. you know, directs you into the experience that that beer also is meant for. And I think that's something that a lot of places still haven't really figured out how to kind of bridge that gap between, yes, here's a beer and here's what it tastes like, but why are you going to drink this beer and when right. are you going to drink this beer and who are you drinking this beer with? And um, I, I think that's a, a great little addition that I, you know, I, I'm actually excited as the new beers come out with the new packaging to kind of see what those you know (laughs) (laughs) each one innuendo is going to be right yeah so the um the lager which is 3984 lager Mm -hmm. which is um kind of a a a call to the uh um the coordinates right of of the area between between both of our locations it actually fell on one line point that's as you know when i when, it, for when the packaging kind of first started coming through the TTB and stuff, and I'll show it to people, like, well, I don't understand that name. That doesn't make it's not a year. It doesn't make any sense. And I, I, I live in this this crazy world of drones right now because of my day life, and so I spend a lot of time looking at coordinates for stuff because the <laughs> FAA likes coordinates. And I thought, well, that's that's exactly where it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it, was, it was funny, but um, the um, the this beer on you know on the talk about that little section on the packaging it tells who it's for uh-huh. it's um it's crafted for the ones worth sharing with and the stories yet to be told um i think that kind of wraps it up right there it's it's a beer to just sit around and, and drink That's exactly right <laughs> it's you yeah. know you you think about some of those memories with um certain beers and and those situations is where it, it kind of ties into and and this that's is right. this is one that stories are going to happen around and experiences happen around and things like that. So that's right. Um, the beer itself is fantastic. Thank you. Um, are we what what style are we calling this? Just it's a, very clean. It's just an an American style light lager. Um, now, when we say light, we obviously are a craft brewery, so we don't count that as calories, and right. we look at ABV. It's <laughs> lighter on uh, on lighter on, on, on the on alcohol, f- right? <laughs> <laughs> And this and is how not Bud Light. Light. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. yep. If you're, if We're you're not looking for Bud Light, go somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It still has that flavor. There is still a little bit of a, a, a hop note there at the beginning, uh-huh. but it doesn't linger. It's definitely not a a, a, a zippy kind of Czech no, Pilsner this, or something. It's it again, is very a clean American style lager. It this is a beer that you know. Um, you want to pick up a six pack of you can have four or five of these you're not completely smashed right you know and you can share some of these other beers with your friends and you know it kind of goes back to the same storyline that was told it's you know it's that beer that's just kind of always there right you know and 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 again goes perfect with a restaurant like this it's a it's a beer that kind of seems like it would go really good with food i yes have to try that sometime. So <laughs> we'll go back to the uh, the other end of my flight board that I picked up thinking it was the lager. The other kind of new change to the beer lineup, the IPA. You yes. know, the style that everyone loves and everyone loves to hate and gets, you know, tired of people making IPAs, yet we just keep buying them over and That's over crazy. and over it's again. It's crazy, you know. And we had made this beer several times in the past, you know, under different names. And we, we kind of formulated it a little bit different, you know, now that we've moved here. And... Um, we really liked some of the base structure of the beer. Uh, we put in a few modifiers in there just to kind of bring up some body, uh, a little bit of added color. Um, but really, we made this beer for us. We we didn't come out with this beer to try and compete with anyone. It wasn't the next IPA to take over all IPAs. Everyone here at Rivertown, we, we love flavorful beers. We're not about IPA bombs, pale ale bombs. You know, that's not our thing. Well, it's kind of goes on that same vein as the as the lager it's just it's an everyday kind of drinking beer it's not it's not the biggest ipa that you're gonna see on the shelf that people are gonna you know throw in some kind of competition with these other ipas and be like look at this one look at these hops look at this it's just a really good solid ipa and again and especially in an environment like this it just fits perfect up there on the tap board and thank you um it's definitely one that 
you know, if you, again, if you are at home and you get done cutting the grass and you you want something a little bit hoppier, it fits right in that 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 perfect. I hate calling it a middle of the road kind of thing because I always feel like that kind of uh, it doesn't do justice to things. But it is. It's not. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's not. Right. It's, it's it's perfect right there in the middle, which a lot of the time is exactly what you're looking for when you're just opening the fridge and grabbing a beer. It's a true statement. It's fantastic. Lots of. Uh, tropical kind of you know flavors. Yep, and it's got it's got a, a nice rounding of hops. We use uh, Citra, Galaxy, Mosaic. Um, it's got a little bit of Columbus, and um, I think we throw some Bravo in there. But it still has that nice kind of resiny yeah. um, thing in the back of the tongue that kind of reminds you you're drinking an IPA. It's, oh, it's yeah, good. Absolutely. It's, it's fantastic, yeah. but it doesn't doesn't come off heavy and, and boozy like some of those. Um, not to call anybody out, but the, that everybody loves making anymore. It's just the you know imperial IPA after imperial well, we've, IPA. We've done that. I mean, our insurrection was a right. double IPA, and you know we we I feel like we were at two ends of the spectrum for so long. We had a session IPA that um, it really was a great beer, uh, but you know as that kind of style died, so so did that beer. You know, rest and, in peace, little sippo. Yeah, I know, right? And then you have you know our insurrection, which again you know big beer. You have people that buy big beers but it's not a, a broad market so ipas need to be drank fresh you need to drink an ipa within 60 days and really beyond that point doesn't mean that it's bad it's just going to lose its, its luster not, a, not an ipa anymore right, it, exactly. it becomes something else um the other one that um we know of that is is coming is the ember is that out yet no that's not out yet um but it's coming soon i assume it's coming soon and that is Kind of a Dunkel lager kind yeah, of it's a, style. Yeah, it's a dark German lager, um, kind of close to a Dunkel. Um, it's, I don't have any notes sitting in front of me on the, on the flavors on it, but I think everybody <laughs> that, you know, lots of um, dark kind of caramely notes, I assume. And it, is, something it, is a, it is a throwback easy to drinking. the German style beers that we made, absolutely. And um, it's, you know, we obviously are bringing our uh, Bavarian lager strain back to use for that particular beer as well. And now we jump on the complete other end of the spectrum because in a lot of ways you guys are this, this, this odd type of brewery with these, these two, two definite personalities to what you guys do. You know, you've got the lager and the, you know, the traditional German kind of stuff and the, you know, the barbecue restaurant. And then you've got this room that we're sitting in that's full of these crazy funky things you were you know how far ahead of the time on that and people um, kind of thought you were crazy for a while and absolutely maybe a lot of them still do but <laughs> <laughs> um, i you know there has definitely been bottles of your lambic that i've cracked open that just completely blew my mind and i couldn't understand how something like that was coming out of cincinnati and that more Thank people you. weren't talking about it so um i've been drinking the lambic already <laughs> But I also have uh, the Goose uh-huh. and uh, Sour Noir, which... Oh, yeah, that's um, a good one. Sour Noir is... I've talked to two very distinct groups of people. There's the group of people that absolutely loves this beer, and then there's the group of people that absolutely hates this beer. Mm-hmm. And I haven't found anybody that sits right in the middle yet. <laughs> I fall into the group that loves this beer. Um, it is a... Well, it's, it's Sour Noir. It's a dark sour. It's got some coffee in it um, to kind of add that other depth of flavor that uh, you don't typically find in sour like there are I, I don't know that there's a lot of coffee sours around well and that's and that's one of the issues you're going to have with some folks you know especially considering the fact that coffee is traditionally not associated with anything sour so a lot of times when you give somebody a beer and you say hey this is a coffee beer and then they get into it and get these you know for me it's a wonderful nuance of the you know the uh, the bacteria and the wild yeast that had created that product um, people that are expecting coffee are going to be, um, I, I guess, unpleasantly, unpleasantly surprised um, if, if that's what their expectation is. Right. If you can just get past that thought that it's going to taste like Starbucks and start thinking about, you know, what's going into this and, you know, really reading the description on the bottle, it, it gives you a lot of that right there because uh, it, it really has some wonderful notes in it. There's it. it, it it goes for a while. Like there's a lot of stuff you start to pick yeah. out, especially as the beer kind of warms up and changes. And that's what I love about that beer. There's so many layers in it, and if you can just sit back and appreciate it for what it is, and you can dig through it, there's there's so much there. I mean, I could sit one of these five ounce tasters here. You could sit here and and sip on one of these for forty five minutes, and, and oh yeah, 
find several different beers that kind of it changes into and um it's a neat one and it is in bottles around if you kind of look around i don't know if you guys still have some here in the uh the uh, gift we shop, do have some in our gift shop there's, yeah there's we always kind of we always kind of hold some back and you know and it's here. but i think they're all gone to the market i don't know if there's any st- i'm sure maybe there's some there's there's probably around. some tucked away on a couple shelves if you know where to look it um it's one of those beers that I'm really curious to. I've stashed a couple of them away in the in the cellar just to see as that coffee kind of starts oh, yeah. to, to drop out and things change. And um, I'm interested to see what happens to it. So, Absolutely. Um, if you don't have any at home, go get some because it's awesome. <laughs> um, and then the goose. So this is a blended lambic, right? So yes. Kind of explain the style so, a little bit. Basically, I guess we should start with we should start with lambic and explain. With, well, you should start with lambic because that's really what it is at the end of the day. Uh, so for us, um, you know, and this is a, an argument that a lot of folks have about using the term lambic. Um, I've I've heard this argument go back and forth. <laughs> we've we've so heard it on the show ways. actually oh before. My gosh, it's so <laughs> obnoxious. Um, we look at it as paying homage to a territory or an area where these beers are made. Nobody says anything about Pilsner being used. Exactly. But... It's it's amazing to me. You know, yeah, you, you take Pilsner or Berliner Weiss. Everyone's fine with saying Berliner Weiss. Um, everyone's fine with saying, you know, um, uh, even English Goza. Pale Ale or Goza Goza. or any of these styles of beer. And really, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, it, it still goes back to the region, wherever they're made. Um, and we pay homage to it. So Vlesenbeek, Lambic. Obviously, Sine Valley. No one's trying to imply or or state that you know um, this was made there. Uh, as a matter of fact, our 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 bottles say either product of the USA or they stay say style. Right. Um, so it indicates kind of you know that it's not being made there. Uh, but again, we look at it as as spont- we use spontaneous fermentation, the same way they make them over there. Um, obviously, the flora and and, and bacteria that's floating around here is going to be different than what's over there and that's what makes it so unique but even if you go to the sunny valley and you try some of the different lambics you're going to get uh from you know uh gosh even just taking cantillon and just taking you know um uh, tre fontaine and a few of those different brands they all taste different right they're not all the same um and same thing with ours there's a completely different flora going on and it it seems to change over the years i love this my favorite is just to save those bottles and try them year after year uh but um you know we start life here with open top fermentation we don't add any yeast uh and then we go right into our barrels and we start aging them generally the lambic is all from the same batch um and we will take usually after a year depending upon if the barrels if we feel the barrels have done their their magic and we're happy with it. Um, we'll move those over in either bottle or keg. Uh, with the goose, uh, we actually take different variations from different years. So, you know, barrels tend to behave differently. Um, we have some barrels that really, really like, uh, they get they get a lot of acetobacter. There's some that really, really develop a lot of that funky Brett characteristic right. um, that, that we seem to like uh, to use in the goose because the goose uh, tends to dry out more. It's a little older. You want some of those different variations to give a little bit of different flavor. Um, so we'll blend up to 16 different barrels from different ages, um, including some young. So the goose has as young as like six months. And then it's got some aged three to almost four year old barrels. And it's it, it it's always shifting and always changing. Even yes. once it's in your bottle at home, you again you stash these away, and they, I mean, these just get better and better. Absolutely and better. Um, and there is there is wild wild bugs in there, and right. you know one of the things that we always have people question is, well, how come you don't overcarbonate your lambics or your goose? Well, traditionally that's not how it's done. Uh, most lambics are served still. A lot of times they will decant and uh, will serve in like a flume basket. Um, And traditionally, they're not supposed to be highly carbonated. Uh, Because these beers can continue to condition and cellar condition, and we always put on our bottles, you know, please cellar for up to five years, um, you know, that beer can continue to develop inside the bottle. I certainly don't want to give you a highly carbonated beverage and then let those bacteria continue to do their thing. You could end up with a a gusher. (laughs) Right. We've all seen that before. I was just telling you, and I don't know if everybody that's listening, I was just out in uh, in Athens doing a show this last weekend, mm-hmm. and um, out at Little Fish, he's got now on every single bottle that he does, make sure you get this really cold before you open it, just in case, and make sure you're ready, just in case, because of all of the different bugs that are going to be in here, 
it might gosh that doesn't mean it's bad it just means that you need to be ready for it. right right you know there's um by the very nature of what you guys do over here on this side of things it's infected it is it's designed to be you know quote unquote infected there is something in there that's not in a traditional beer it's not it's 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 wild you know there's right. it's it's that side of brewing that um you're you're leaving something up to quote unquote the the beer gods or you know you're you're letting something else take over and kind of trusting that it's going to do what you think it's going to do and if it doesn't you are ready for it well yeah we got to make <laughs> or, decisions or not at that ready point. for it but <laughs> <clears throat> so let's take a quick break and let's talk about everything that's going on here in Monroe um Lockland Rivertown in general you know you guys have changed dramatically for, for for the better in my opinion in the last um couple of years here and it's it doesn't even feel like the same brewery anymore but it it's very much what Rivertown was kind of always supposed to be so That's right. we'll we'll talk about that let's take a quick break pay some bills Cincy Brewcast the voice of Cincy Craft um, I look at I look at the Bud Light drinkers out there as a you know a forest to be harvested. They're all out there and, and they don't know any better yet, but they will. You don't you don't ever hear somebody say, Yeah, I used to drink that crap beer crap. But I, <laughs> I went back to my Bud Light. You don't hear that, do you? No, you don't. You're listening to Cincy Brickcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hi, Mike Cisneros here with a word about Brewhouse Dog Bones. By now, craft beer fans all over Cincy know the distinctive brown paper sack with a big red bone. You've seen it in great breweries like Mount Carmel, Listerman's, Rheingeist, 8 Ball, Braxton, and more. At just 5 bucks a bag, you know you can't find a more healthful or delicious treat for your best friend made from spent brewery grains, organic eggs, peanut butter, and brown rice flour. But did you know that Brewhouse Dog Bones is an educational program for developmentally disabled teens and young adults? It's available through the New Richmond, Cincinnati Public, Fort Thomas Public, Sycamore, Oak Hills, and many more school districts across southwest Ohio and northern Kentucky. For more information on where to find Brewhouse Dog Bones or how to get your developmentally disabled loved one or your school district involved in the Brewhouse Dog Bones program, contact Lisa Graham at area code 513-520-0310 or visit www.brewhousedogbones.com. Give your dog the craft experience with Brewhouse Dog Bones. Hi, this is Mike Stokes from Cincy Brew Bus. Cincinnati's craft beer scene is growing, and we want to take you to those locations. Here at Cincy Brew Bus, we love to introduce people to craft beer here locally in Cincinnati. We have an amazing craft beer scene. We have lots of routes to choose from and a lot of different places we can visit. Cincy Brew Bus is Cincinnati's premier and original craft brewery tour. We're the number one rated tour for breweries on TripAdvisor. We're the number one rated food and drink experience on TripAdvisor. And we're also the number two total tour overall on TripAdvisor here for Cincinnati. At Cincy Brew Bus, we provide a VIP tour experience for the novice and for the expert craft beer drinker. We like to take you out, show you how the beer is made, tell you about Cincinnati's rich brewing history, and at the same time, have fun, do some trivia, and drink some locally made fresh craft beer. This is Steve Shaw. This is Eric Bosler. Hi, my name is Gamal Nagy. Hey, y'all. This is Sean Willingham. This is Brett Coleman-Baker. Hi, I'm Scott LaFollette. Hi, this is Evan Rouse. Cellar Dweller Craft Beers. Darkness Brewing. Rivertown Brewing Company. Municipal Brew Works. Urban Artifact Brewing. Blank Slate Brewing. Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky. In Cincinnati. In Northside. In Hamilton, Ohio. Bellevue, Kentucky. Mar, Ohio. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast. Cincy Brewcast. And you're listening to Cincy Brewcast. The voice. The voice. The voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> I always forget how mellow that music coming back into it is. And it never fits the actual. <laughs> I need to change. I need to change a lot of things about that, actually. So it brings up another topic, kind of. Um, not as happy as the fantastic new beer you guys have coming out. Em- employee turnover 
is something that I feel like I'm talking about more and more with some of the bigger breweries around town where yeah. somebody leaves, somebody goes somewhere else, somebody, you know, whatever the, the, the reasons behind that are. But how does that change the way you, you, you run a place that's as big as this to not always have that person that you can always trust that is always going to be there that can, that can do things. I mean, you, I mean, it's, 7:30 at night and you're still here working your butt off you know because you have to be right. and it's i'm sure everybody thinks that after so many years of having a place like this those days are going to be you know far behind them no. but it seems like it's not with anybody no it, <laughs> well it, i mean i guess this was bigger guys yeah well no it, it really never is it, it depends i think that a lot of the, the bigger places you're talking about you know they maybe lose their passion or lose their way you know and and turn it more into a business um, when I, when I say business, I mean like corporate structure right. and, you know, I'm the CEO and I'm not dare going to set foot on the production floor. Um, I'm a little bit different, obviously all this equipment's new. And one of the, one of the things that I've always said from day one is I never ask my employees to do something I won't do myself. So if I don't fully understand how something works or operates, I cannot entrust or ask them to do that task. So I'm spending a lot of time out here. We've obviously had a lot of new equipment just installed. Um, and if you talk to any of the other breweries around town that have just put in some new equipment, um, I'm sure they're probably saying the same thing, like you're pulling your hair out, you right. know, dealing with manufacturers on a daily basis. I think we've had service calls three or four times a week. I mean, I feel like we're getting it all dialed in, but it certainly takes some time, and it's it's taking a lot of well, it's taking a toll on me. I'm starting to sprout some grays and losing hair. <laughs> just, um, just now? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but, uh, no, you asked a, a really good uh, question uh, in the very beginning there. And the reality is that it it is tough. Um, you know, uh, what we found is, well, going back for a minute, I think if you go to any brewery now in Cincinnati, with the exception of a few, obviously there's some newer breweries and, and smaller, you know, brew pubs, things like that. But I think you probably could go into most breweries and find an employee that used to work at Rivertown. Um, you know, we were one of the older breweries around, um, as well as Mount Carmel and, you know, more line in those breweries. Um, and you're right. They, people have kind of come and gone through the years, started either their own breweries. Um, I kind of, from one, on one side, you know, I look at it and go, man, you know, yeah, it sucks. We lost, you know, some of these people. Uh, and then I look back and I go, you know what though? They weren't right for us if that were the case. Right. Um, but I'm also kind of like a proud papa. I got two or three breweries that are around town right now that were started by guys that, um, that I hired, you know, I hired right out of, um, you know, brew school. Right. So, you know, there's, there's that too. Uh, currently the way we kind of look at things is we're just like a family. You know, you become part of that family, and we kind of develop that. We look for personality a lot. I can teach you how to make beer. If you're passionate and you have a strong moral, uh, I guess, work ethic, um, you know, that's the person I seek out. Well, and I think that there's been a much bigger, at least a, a better verbalization of that, too, of, of, of with who Rivertown is and who that the personality of Rivertown, I guess, you know, the, the tenacious culture thing. And that's, right. that's, I think it's kind of, it's wrapping everything up into a package and saying, here's, this is who we are. You know, there's, there's, there's no mistaking who we are and what we're about. This is the, these are the types of people that we need around us. Correct. And we need to make this what the vision is. And, but when you have those standards too, it almost becomes that much harder to find folks you know, because we we are like a family. It's kind right. of like, would you let, you know, you, you mentioned your wife and kids. Would you let someone come in and sleep on your couch? You know, if right you now, really if they're watching them. the baby, yes. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Too. I was waiting for it. Are you good with kids? Um, yeah. But the, the point's still the same. Like, there's there's an element of like, um, we we almost look at it like safety. Like, you know, we're 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 a small family. And, uh, you know, I always worry about, you know, if someone comes in that, that their personality collides with, you know, one of my long-term employees and, right. you know, how are they going to take this? And, you know, so we definitely, definitely interview, interview, interview like crazy before it's, we take someone on. It's crazy to me when a brewery is at that point where you're not here and there are things happening here on this end where you're entrusting the person that's standing on that brew deck making the beer is doing it the way that it's supposed to be done, or the person that's standing out there at the bar that's talking to your customers is doing it the way it's supposed to be done. Like it's, it's a weird thing because I, you know, I talk to so many brewers that are small and starting out, and 
it's always that owner standing behind the bar. It's always that owner that's right. standing on the brew deck making the beer, and they have that that control over it. And as a as you grow to a certain point, by the very nature of it, you can't always be there. And it's it, it it's I maybe I'm a little bit of a control freak. Maybe I you know have trouble letting go of some of those things. But I just I can't wrap my head around that idea of they're just it's it's, it's you're, you're you're entrusting that you know you've you've selected that person right and that they are going to fit into that oh, idea yeah. that you've set forth and that's well yeah and you have to you have to let up a little bit you know that's one of the things as far as becoming a bigger company you have to give up some of that control and you have to trust um you know it's the same thing back on the on the production side when i hire someone in and i bring them in and i'm training them one of the things that i don't do is just take over the task and show them how it's done and then try and walk away i actually bring them into the task i watch them perform the task and then i let them perform the task and well, and i imagine some of that <laughs> has gotten a little bit easier with some of the automation and stuff that you guys are capable of <laughs> i mean I, it is it is the same song that you've heard homebrewers say this or brewers now saying oh it's just like homebrewing it it kind of is the only difference is instead of spinning off you know uh, 20 or 30 bottles a minute you know like we used to now we're spinning 250 to 300 bottles a minute i mean like you you Anybody who is a beer fan that lives in Cincinnati has spent time in Lachlan and and kind of understands that brewery and and what it was right. and it you know I think janky is the best word to yes. describe that space. Yes. And you walk in here and it's it, I mean it just it, it it's mind blowing that change from one to the other. Like has that like are there those days you walk in here and you just like, where the hell am I? Like what is this? <laughs> like. No, because I, mean, I don't. I don't ever slow down to think about it. To be honest with you, because this is a long time coming. You know, it's it's uh, during that duration, the change. You know, um, and and what Rivertown was always supposed to be. You know, um, we kind of took a detour there three or four years ago, and that's when I realized, look, this isn't the path I want to go down. This isn't where I want to be, and I don't see myself staying this path for a couple years from that point. And you know, it was with my old partnership, and you know, and it. It was fine. I talked with him. We we had two different ideas and completely, you know, mutual. It's like, all right, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go this way. And, you know, and uh, he's doing his thing, which is awesome. Um, I actually got to ch- stop in there uh, about a month or so ago. Uh, go, tried his beers. Fantastic. Um, but, um, you know, this is where I wanted to be. I saw the production thing kind of taking hold. The You know, as, as the, the, the beer market kind of, dwindles a little bit because we have so many breweries in different cities i think that the the taproom experience or the selling local thing is going to become more and more difficult especially for a lot of the breweries coming on these days um, i hate to say that you know five years ago i would have said oh gosh no we can welcome a whole bunch of other breweries but now i think it's getting tough with 5100 breweries out there um you really have to have a foothold in the market i actually I, i'm nervous for some of the you know because people come in here all the time and they'll ask you know tell me how you got started and can you give me some pointers and you know, uh, some of them, you know, have, have their head on straight. Like, look, we're just going to start real small. We're going to figure this out. We're going to kind of take this path. And you get other ones that are like, oh, I'm just going to walk into Kroger and they're going to carry my beer. Right. It's like, wow, okay. Um, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, you guys, when you did start in 2009, it was, like you said, it was very different the way things were done. And you guys yeah. just, over time, have just shifted and changed and shifted and changed and always had to become something different over and over and over to change with it. And, right. and even today, this is a very different place than, than, than what Lachlan was, you know, two years ago, three years ago, yeah. whatever. I mean, it, well, Lachlan also, let's, let's go back, you know, to 2009. Lachlan was a location we chose because it was a little out of, out of the way. Back then, tap rooms were illegal. Right. There was no reason to bring the general public there. I couldn't even sample the product to you directly. Uh, you know, we had no... Um, uh, thoughts about self-distribution so we had tied in with a wholesaler very early uh you know i was only renting 2,000 square feet i thought that was going to be more than i would ever need and then all of a sudden it's like oh why well, can't store the amount of bottles i need now just to fulfill our our grocery orders you know our grocery store chain orders and i'm like oh man so you know it was literally let's rent the spot next door well i don't have the money to take down the whole wall and do it properly so let's just notch a hole in the wall <laughs> Just, that's you know it's funny because people it's ask band-aids it, it's it just really band-aid was after band-aid. I've, I've only seen one other brewery like Rivertown that kind of was set up the same way as we kind of well, 
at the end, right before we left, we were just bulging out the walls. And it, it reminds me a lot of um, Avery. Um, you know, Rivertown was in the same uh, kind of, kind of com- uh, commerce park. Uh, wedged in between, you know, garages and, and um, you know, auto auctions and right. that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, but again, the water was really good. Our rent was dirt cheap. We were off the beaten path. Now, in 2012, when the tap rooms became legal, uh, that's when we kind of scrambled and we're like, oh, my gosh, we have to put something together. We're, we're missing the market. We're missing the boat here. Um, so our tap room albeit it's very quaint, it's very kind of nice, and, you know, it's it's very laid back. It's very much a uh, tap room uh, versus Monroe. Monroe's a full restaurant, full experience. Right. Um, we thought to ourselves, you know what, I don't want to lose that. You know, there, there needs to be two sides to Rivertown. You can see where we came from, what we were. Um, and still have that if you're, if you just want that tap room experience, you're not looking for food, you're not looking for, you know, um, entertainment for hours. You just want to go and have some beers, watch TV or Lachlan's your place. You know, it's, it's off the beaten path. It's never really slammed. Um, so we decided to keep it. It's still, as far as we're concerned, it's dear to our hearts. We don't really see a reason. We still have a lease there till, uh, I think, I think we're gosh till 2021, uh, which we, we didn't mind because we were going to use it for storage anyway. Right. We need back storage for all our boxes and everything else. Was there ever a thought of turning it into like a the, the, keep the sour side there and do the other stuff? No, actually, we um, we are going to put in, and we talked about this prior, a small um, uh, test facility so we can put in like a two or three barrel system. Um, and that gives us the ability to make one-offs or uh, be able to just experiment with things. Because right now, if we experiment with something, we're talking about 100 kegs. Right. So that's a well, lot and, of... <laughs> and, and before, the, you just didn't have that, that room to experiment with stuff because right. everything was so tight. And, you know, when you're when you're in a space like that, which... What was the uh, the brew system there? Was, was it 15-barrel? Well, the original one we had was a 7. Then we went right. 15, and then we upped to 30. Okay. And then here... We're 50. 50. So, I mean, that's... It, 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 these, these are big kind of changes from, yeah. from size-wise, and... Um, that's a necessity when you kind of when you have enough beer to fill. <laughs> well, and that's <laughs> it's it's it's, it's mind blowing to think of. I mean, you guys are in seven, seven states, states now in the the Virgin Islands. I yep. mean, it's like the the spread that you guys have when people talk about breweries in Cincinnati, and you know, people ask, "Oh, what's the biggest brewery in Cincinnati?" It's like, well, it's, it, what does that mean? The biggest, you know, right? Is it the biggest name the biggest marketing budget the biggest spread the biggest you know and you guys are, are, are right there with some of these other names that that are how many years younger than you are that that get kind of all that that spotlight sometimes and um, I, I don't think that everybody again realizes what's happening here and, and and that you guys have set yourselves up very differently than what everybody else has well we fell into a different I mean if, if and I'll tackle that real quick because uh, we do get asked that question too. You know, we we see these two other breweries all over the place, right. and this and the other. We we our business model was set up different right out of the gate. Um, you know, we fell into a distribution category. I mean, we it's, really execute we've, we've talked and to, to Mike Dewey about that a lot about yeah. how you fit in and with 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 the new guys. You know, and how you how you compete with what they can do because they you know, were built around this tap room idea yes. versus somebody that opened years before where tap rooms were like, well, we're just never going to do that because we can't. And so they, you had to build this different type of business. And Right. Well, ours, uh, yeah, and that's that's how it started. But then once that, that kind of well, well-oiled machine gets really cranking, um, you got to look at that and say, you know, our, our largest accounts are, are chains. So we primarily sell in package right. um, and we do sell in seven states. So we move a lot of product. I'd say 80 to 85 percent of our products are in package versus our, you know, I, I don't want to say competitors, but local other breweries, you know, are probably maybe 50 50 between their package and their draft. And they execute very strongly in the city. They market themselves in the city. Um, we market ourselves more as a regional brewery. Right. So being that, you know, um, regional kind of presence uh we don't we don't limit ourselves by saying you know we're out of cincinnati or you know or giving a geographical territory that's what's great about rivertown there's a river town in every city um, well, i think every state goes there's, oh there's a river town right over here well there there is over in pennsylvania <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a topic that it's probably a whole show in itself right there but, um 
So, like, if you look at who you guys are now because of how you've had to grow and how you've had to build this thing, like, is there, can you picture what you would look like if you were starting today? If you had this idea today and you said, I, if I were starting a brewery today, here's how I would do it. Is, is that even, do I have all the knowledge I have today? I mean, hypothetically speaking, yeah, hypothetically, um, you know, as what you see here, yes. Um, I've learned, you know, one, one of the, one of the, I think if I if I look back and say, boy, where did I really throw away money? And it was kind of doing what a lot of these guys are doing, which is buying very small pieces of equipment and then upgrading and then upgrading and then upgrading. The problem is, is the value in that equipment's just not what you paid for it. So, you know, turning around selling it, you're going to pay the same price you would almost for right. something new that's maybe 10 or 15 barrels larger. We went through three different brew houses before, you know, we moved here. So now we're on brew house number four really at the end of the day, you know, and I look at all that capital wasted on each versus, yeah. versus a place like mad tree that just beat the shit out of that 15 barrel system yeah. until they moved up to a hundred barrels. And I'm sure, way. well, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't know, I can't speak for their investors, but I'm sure at some point they look back and said, boy, all the labor we spent on this, you know, <laughs> why didn't we just go with it? But you know, same thing. I mean, if you go back and talk to those guys and we're friends with them too, you know, um, that, you know, at the time they didn't know what to expect. <laughs> You know, so again, given that knowledge, if if I had that knowledge now to go backwards, absolutely, I probably would have, you know, sought out some different investors uh, in the very beginning. And would you still go big like this, or would you focus more on the, like we, everybody talks about the neighborhood kind of spaces, the, the the Fibonacci's and the Nine Giants and places like that that are just small and have don't have that ambition to be regional. Is um, no, I'm, I'm, again, I'm a different kind of guy. So, you know, that's, that's what floats my boat. Um, but that's not for everybody. Right. You know, some people are like, look, I just want to do the small brewery thing. Uh, Randy with, um, you know, wooden cask very much. So, you know, I want to do the, the brew pub, the taproom thing, right. you know, so that, that fits him and it's, fits what he wants to do. It's, it's interesting just to kind of see what beer was, what beer is, and try to picture what it's going to be in five years, in ten years, you know, what what is the community going to look like, what are breweries going to look like, is is a place like this almost impossible to start up now, like can you start and have that idea to become something like this and actually be able to make it happen i just you know that's a tough one man i i don't know i mean i don't know if you because you really have to have a lot of ends you really have to know your market you have to know who you know where to take it to um and really now it's not so much about can i make the beer um do you think people will like my beer no that that all works out it's really distribution right how am i getting my beer out there you know there's there's always the self-distribution model which is great, but I'm sure if you turn around and ask some guys that are self-distributing, they're going to give you all the woe sides of it, too, which there's a lot of expense or broken down vehicles or, you know, uh, the account didn't pay me, their checks bounced. I mean, you know, there's there's an upside to us and that we don't have to deal with some of that. The downside is, is we're not as profitable, you know, by having to go through a distributor. But then you also have, you know, the, the side where you kind of have to monitor that and you have to help your distributors grow and partnering and well, we've we've talked about trying to find employees that you can trust yeah. you know to find a distributor that you can trust is yep. uh, probably 10 times harder <laughs> you know, it's, so it's, there there's a whole other side of the game so you know no actually um no i think i would just open a tiki hut on a beach somewhere uh and and um and, and live on a beach yeah that sounds like a plan <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think I'd get out of the beer business, but it's it's a it's a wonderful thought. You could, you could brew in your tiki. <laughs> I know, right? Um, night marcher all year round. Yes, <laughs> that would yes. be really good. I just want to go where I could just drink beer all the time, and not have to make it. That's, you need to you need to start a beer blog. I know, right? <laughs> um, so, where do you kind of picture Rivertown in in five years and ten years? You know, what does what does it look like? Well, I think for us, um, you know, we're, we're, we're already at regional status. I think for us, we would like to start seeking some national status and start moving that, that kind of needle out a little bit. Um, again, I think for the longest time, everyone was saying focus local, focus local, uh, because that's where it's at. And then I think a lot of the breweries kind of retracted and started focusing local and realized, oh, my God, there's now 40 breweries in my local market, right. and it's even more difficult. So uh, for us, it's, it's um, more chain distribution. 
um, and kind of growing our business that way. Um, we've brought in some new sales teams. We've got some southern uh, uh, sales representatives. We just brought in a new northern sales representatives. So um, for Rivertown, it kind of gives us the ability to um, grow organically and naturally and not, not um, you don't have to be out going out there buying business, paying to play in a sense. So you guys are at seven states now. Correct. Um, is there eyes on any more in the near future? Or yeah, there, yeah, there it, are. There are. Um, you want to give us any hints on? <laughs> I can't. I can't yet because <laughs> it always bites me in the rear end um, every time I say it because either a I jinx it, right, and then it, and then it falls through, or you know something else is it corks. So no, I, I'm going to stay off the record on that one. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'd ask. So. We we talked about the new packaging um, that we're gonna see that with the the full line of of bottles and stuff the the new the new look to them all mm-hmm. um, and I think Roebling is what's Roebling's next up next up. yep you'll see that one change over um, and uh, again one of the big things that we wanted to do uh, in partnering with our wholesaler and distributor same thing whenever you see a change in package. Most people will grab the new package and not the old one because they assume it's bad or it's right. old. So we're trying to flush it through the market because the beer might have just been produced three weeks ago. You know, it's not bad, but we don't want to have to buy right. it back or put our wholesaler in a position where they're stuck with it. Right. Um, are we going to see more sours, more different sours? Are we going to see... You're going to see more different sours, but you're not going to see any this year. Um, because we moved all the barrels to our right. new location, um, we went ahead and made the decision. We were running some tests. We were talking through the blends, and we'd made the decision to let the barrels rest. Um, we had brewed up uh, quite a few of different beers, filling the barrels up before we left. We pissed off the bugs. We pissed <laughs> off the bugs, man. We, we, <laughs> we disturbed the pellicles, unfortunately. And, um, disturbed the pellicles. Disturbed the pellicles. <laughs> it almost sounds sexual. <laughs> But Man, uh, you disturbed my pellicles. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we decided we're going to hold off until next year. Now, we've got some Brett beers that we're going to have out, so we're still going to do some wild and stuff throughout this year. Um, but uh, not we're not doing any of the, the barrel-aged sours this year. Which, for anybody that's still sitting on Brett T-shirt, it's drinking phenomenally right now. I haven't now. had it in a while. It's it? so good. Nice. I think I'm down to my last couple bottles because I had one maybe a month ago, if that, and I absolutely loved it, and then I cracked like, through two or three bottles. <laughs> I ain't quit doing that. I'm gonna run out. Um, so yeah, the, the the Brett stuff. That's 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 a fairly new kind of quote unquote line for you guys. You know, the 100 percent Brett fermented. Yeah. You know, the, the stuff that right off the bat has you know this this crazy fruity flavor that over time just gets funky and oh, yeah. outdoorsy and uh, um, it's it's fun stuff. I think people do do you think um, I, I know the sour is the new hoppy was kind of the 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 word for a while. Mm-hmm. Is do you still feel that? Do you still think it's? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's going to kind of take it's, over it's IPA. Tougher, it's tougher here um, than anywhere else. I, I still think that you know if you go to most other areas, sours are kind of a big thing. I mean, we sell a lot of sour beers in Georgia. We sell a lot of sour beers in Florida, um, Tennessee. We do well with sours. Um, as you get closer to the Midwest what we call the Midwest, you know, the Cincinnati, right. Indiana kind of line. Um, it's a little tougher push. Um, I don't know if it is just the area or if, you know, again, if it just hasn't caught on here really fully yet. There's some places doing them, um, you know, but I don't necessarily know that they're in the limelight per se. Is it a uh, consumer education kind of thing where people just don't get it? Well, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's, you know, um, and I've, I've had this conversation with West Siders and East Siders where it's like, well, I'm from the West Side, so I just drink this beer and that's it. Right. And I've heard the East Siders say the same thing. I think it's, I think it's just old mindsets, um, you know, with people that have consumed beer for so long. I think a lot of people have just been turned on to IPAs over the past couple of years. Right. That that's kind of like, wow, okay, well, I went down this path and... They haven't really started exploring kind of the next steps, which are, you know, the Belgian beers and some of the different crazier beers. Not necessarily that. And, and please don't take them saying the wrong way. Obviously, there's a lot of craft beer geeks in this area that definitely know their sours and definitely right. know all their stuff. But when we talk about, you know, um, the uh, the mass of people, yeah, it's still a still a taboo, like weird it's, thing. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about the mass, it's still, you know, Bud Miller Gores kind of. Yeah. I and mean, that still is the mass. And I think that. I think we're penetrating some of those folks. I'm starting to see some of those guys, even if they don't like it, they'll drink an IPA with a friend. And that's that start. That's that That's that kind of kickstart. Right. 
and I, I still don't understand how you you get that person from their IPA that they just fell in love with to drinking, you know, the lambic or something like that. Like I, I, I don't I don't know how you make that that transit. I don't. And again, I don't know how I made that transition. I, you know, I don't know if you had that moment that you can think of where the things connected. I, sure. It, all, it usually starts with someone that educated you. It's usually, you know, you're with someone that, that you try, you had a new experience with, or you were at some place where someone recommended something, um, and you tried it. It might be the first time that you try something new, uh, especially with sour, because your, your body's first reaction is to reject it. Well, and I, it, not to be offensive, but I'm pretty sure the first time I tried your lambic, I probably spit it out because <laughs> I don't know that I was ready for it. <laughs> Well, that's your body. You know, catches you off guard. <laughs> I mean, well, in, in nature, uh, anything sour is usually poisonous. There's something wrong with it. So your body's going to reject that sour. Um, and most people think of, like, I'm going to vomit uh, or get that wheezy <laughs> feeling. Or, you know, once you relax and realize, oh, wow, okay, this is good and it's not going to hurt me and, you know, all that other good stuff, that's when you kind of your mind kind of opens up a little bit. Right. But a lot of times it takes someone else telling you what you're experiencing, and then you're like, oh, okay, I didn't realize that. For me, you know, the first time I made sour beers, I was trying to replicate a style for, some, well, for my wife at the time. Um, and... Uh, I didn't think much more into it except for I was just honing in on trying to do this. And then I, I remember the first time I tried it, I was like, this doesn't taste like what I thought it was going to taste like. And I sipped it a few times. And then as I read through the books and I, I read different um, uh, beers on, you know, wild and sour beer on uh, styles. And that's when I gained that whole new appreciation for those types of beers. And then I was like, wow, this is what I'm tasting. And this is a new thing. And, and then I wanted to share it with everybody. Well, And, and so... For anybody that doesn't kind of know your story, I guess we probably should have talked a little bit about your story and how it all kind of happened. You know, the, the Lambic, in a lot of ways, was what started all of this from the beginning. It was, sure. you know, with, with, with Longshot, everybody's familiar with mm-hmm. the, the, the Sam Adams competition. Um, tell You know, kind of, kind of tell the story from, from... Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I, again, I started making those styles of beers... Um, I think the first sour ale I made was probably in 2002. Um, and again, I, it was for my wife at you the time. You don't want to know what I was drinking in 2002. <laughs> Pro- probably something worse than I was drinking. <laughs> I think it probably rhymed with schnatty ice. <laughs> hey, we all did it, man. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I think at the time she wanted one of those uh, the, the, the fruity, fruity lambics. Right. And, and had I known back then, all I had to do was dump some acetic acid in a Coors Light and dump <laughs> syrup in it. And there you go. You know, she probably would have been happy. Right. But instead, I set down this path to kind of replicate this beer and I read all these different styles and what ended up coming out of that was phenomenal and I actually saved some back and then of course I entered that the elderberry one in right. the Sam Adams long shot competition and I was one of the finalists um, and uh, again I I was unemployed at the time so I couldn't justify taking my beers to the normal NHA where I would send or NHC sorry the AHA right. uh, sanctioned events and um, so I, I took it to Sam Adams because it was free and um, ended up flying out, met Jim, uh, went to the Great American Beer Festival with him, met a lot of interesting people in the industry. Um, one, of the, one of the ones that I was uh, most inspired by was Dan Carey from uh, Nuclearis. And right. uh, talking with him, and, and he was telling me how he got his start. And um, he was really intrigued by the sours because he, you know, he's always dabbled in that as well. So he said, well, I'd love to try your beer. When you get back, will you send me some? I said, oh, yeah, sure. Give me your card. I didn't think anything of it because I thought the guy forgot about me. He called me like a week later. He's like, are you going to send me that beer? And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, you know, putting this whole thing together for him. And I got a call back from him and his crew. And they're like, walk us through how you did this. And I'm like, are you serious? I was like in awe. I couldn't believe it. And two weeks later, he's like, well, what kind of beers you like from us? And I'm like, oh, I love all your beers. I think, you know. And the next thing you know, man, I had, like, a pallet delivered to my house, <laughs> like, Wisconsin Red and, and uh, yeah, Raspberry Tart. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, yeah, but, you know, that was definitely a, a jump start for me. And that's when I realized, okay, well, if these guys can do it. I mean, Jim was illegally selling beer. Dan was making beer in his bathtub. I'm like, okay, well, hell, if they can do it that way, I'm sure I can do this. And that's how Rivertown started. And then the the rest is, is history. And, is and, history. And Lambic is still a huge part of, of what you guys are, and yeah. um, definitely for uh, the foreseeable future, 
hopefully forever. Oh I yeah, mean, there's, no, it's, it goes nowhere. There's definitely nobody else, uh, you know, around here that's doing anything that's that's like that beer. And um, I can't stress enough. Anytime you see bottles pop up on a shelf, just buy it and stash it away. That beer does amazing things over time. I, I've had some bottles that just come. You you open them up and it, it's not sour. It just tastes like a glass of peaches and i've had some that just you know have that nice that nice pucker to them and it's mm-hmm. it's funky and barnyard like it just it's 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 a beer that it, it it's it's always something a little bit different and yeah absolutely. it's it's amazing it's it's it has its own little personality i i, I could do a whole show just on that <laughs> beer <laughs> which is exactly what i'm still drinking i hope our facebook is still up so Anybody that's on Facebook, if you're commenting on things and asking questions, I'm sorry that I can't see it. Um, actually, I could probably pull it up. Um, so, tell us a little bit. We, 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 you know, we talked a little bit about um, this was kind of the vision the whole time for what what Rivertown was supposed to be. You know, the whole brew pub idea. Right. Um, let's talk about the restaurant. Yeah. So barbecue. Yes, barbecue is. <laughs> How did you start in? That whole thing. Love barbecue. Um, I've been into backyard barbecuing for years. Oh, gosh. Probably, I'd say I started 18 years ago, 19 years ago, uh, barbecuing at home. And uh, I've done some competitions in the past uh, with barbecue. Um, My neighbors and I used to get together and do barbecue. It's like, you know, that's definitely the way we want to go. Obviously, Lachlan was a small taste of it because it was a very small kitchen, kind of more like a test kitchen. Um, When we came here... Uh, we knew that's the direction we wanted to go, um, but we invested in some really nice Southern Pride smokers, and um, so we can do you know all whole hickory logs. Can, can, before we talk about the actual yeah. meat, we need to give a shout out to those pickles. Oh, <laughs> those pickles are a star in my Thank house. You. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, no, that's a that's a home recipe. I, I made them for years, and um, at first we didn't you know we didn't talk about necessarily give them away. They were you know to be used on sandwiches and this that and the other and. We started bringing them into Lachlan, and people were just like, I want jars of this. Right. And I'm like, well, okay. You know, I'm like, well, maybe we should just have them in the forefront, you know, with the new restaurant. And now it's amazing. We actually have people come in that um, if they don't get served, their pickles are pissed. (laughs) (laughs) So is there talk about putting them in a jar and selling them in the gift shop because well here's the we thing come in every week with those pickles they're they're fresh and they're fresh made so we literally will we they're well when i say they're fresh made they're usually about five five to six days old because you want to let them kind of brine you know and, right. and but you want them crisp and the problem is, is the longer they sit in those jars and if you've had a pickle like even you know like you get some from vlasic or one of those types of brands off the shelf they have that almost mushy kind of characteristic to it so it kind of takes something away from it a little bit um which is why the, the, the only way around that would be to maybe ferment in the jar but that's just i mean we're too busy worried about beer <laughs> I, I imagine fermenting a jar of pickles in the jar is kind of terrifying too. <laughs> as, as, as me exploding too jars yeah, or... <laughs> I mean, maybe something i'd want to do at home but i don't know if i'd want to do it here for a living you know um so you guys have uh, obviously, you know, the standards, the, the pulled pork and the brisket, and, uh, I assume there's some kind of barbecue chicken or something, which we do Turkey. turkey. And then we also do, um, for vegetarians and vegans, we do uh barbecue jackfruit. That's, and I, I wish that I was more into the whole vegetarian vegan thing because that's something, you know, I, I know beer mumbo would have a lot to say about how wonderful oh, you guys are doing and, that. Yes. But, he and Sarah are up here all the time. Um, so they already get into that. And, uh. <laughs> I I every time I come in I have to get one of those um one of those skillet hashes yes. with uh, fantastic. So <laughs> I, I I guess the point of it all is is the food here is phenomenal within itself even if this whole side didn't Thank exist. You. The the restaurant is amazing. Not that what was happening in Lockland wasn't because I love everything that was happening in Lockland. It had its own little charm to it, but um it did, but it was if, a limited menu. Right. It was, you know, just meant for Hey, I just need to grab, you know, a, a quarter slab of ribs and and a side, and I'm good, and I'm going to have my beers. This but is more of a dining experience. It, so. it, it, this it, there is a it is a restaurant, right? That is also attached to a brewery. It's it's they're, they're very much um, different entities and intertwined, but yes, it's definitely a restaurant. And if you want to take somebody out and not mention to them that this is a brewery it would still work for them (laughs) you know we uh we joke a lot my my mother is not a drinker does not 
care too much for the drink <laughs> and uh, we can never get her to go places with us except Rivertown because she nice. likes to eat at the restaurant. Nice. I, don't, I don't know if she actually realizes that we're taking her to a brewery. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of a distraction. That was a thing too is that, you know, Lindsay and I, you know, is you, you have kids. I mean, obviously with us, we have kids that are, you know, all the way from two months to, you know, 12 years and it's like we are the same way. We like to go to brew, to tap rooms and things right. like that but one of the things sometimes always, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, <laughs> yeah. You go out and you're like, man, I want to have a decent meal. You know, um, the kids are screaming because there's nothing on the menu they like. You know, um, maybe they've got root beer. Well, two of my kids hate root beer. And it's like, you know, all right, well, there's just no compromise. And that's what I loved about Rivertown and what I wanted to make Rivertown into. Right. It's something for everybody. Well, and, and the video games that everybody loves about Lachlan have come up here, too. You know, if, yep. you, if you bring your family in, uh, video games are all free. You can hang right. out here and just play video games and drink beer all night and eat pickles to uh, your, 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 right. your, your, your heart's <laughs> delight. Um, what do you want people to know about Rivertown that you think people do not know about Rivertown? Well, I know that's it's a big question. That but. is a big question because there's a lot to it, really. Um, you know, one of the things I think that we get classified at is we're, we're, that, we're the old brewery. I think Mount Carmel falls into that as well as Moorline. Um, you know, I think we we want people to realize that, you know, we're actually not. We're kind of forethinkers. We have a lot of different things going on um, just because we're not in the limelight here so much as some of the other newer breweries that have come to uh, to be. Um, we ask people to come back and re-experience things um, and, and re-see things and see how different we really are. Um, you know, especially, you know, you bring up the restaurant, but I think one of the one of the big things is there's really no one around here that has something like this um we we thought about that a lot we're like what is what is everyone else well everyone has a small kitchen everyone has a um t- guest taps everyone has a you know but where can i go where i have all of that in one well and especially where you guys are located up here in monroe i mean i know there's probably a lot of decisions that that got you guys here but i imagine for some of the people that live in this general vicinity, <laughs> like having a place like this right here is is a godsend. A place that is just has phenomenal food, phenomenal beer list. A place you can take your kids and well, we also killer patio. We did some demographics, you know, when we looked at who our clientele list was, and it's funny. Most of the people that were coming to Lachlan lived in Mason, Westchester, Liberty Center, Hamilton, <laughs> right. and we're like oh, Lebanon. <laughs> right. We had a lot, and we're like, you've got to be kidding me! Like this is where a lot of our core audience is at. So it made sense naturally for us to kind of look in this area. Not to mention the fact that you know we needed a, a lot of space. Uh, there are still a lot of issues with, and, and I, you know, I know the MSD thing's kind of died down, but it's still very much there. And it's eventually, died down it's gonna, for now. Yes, it will lurk its ugly head again, and I feel bad for some of the breweries that are going to be entangled in that. But we wanted to find an area that really wanted Rivertown. That was the other thing too. If you go into a city and you speak with uh, the public officials, and they're telling you, um, "Well, fill out this application, we'll consider you," you should leave right away. Because it is not going to work out well for you. You, the, you almost need to be wanted. And that was what's great right. about the city of Monroe. We actually had, you know, the man, the mayor and the city planning manager and uh, events manager. They were all coming to the tap room and they were, like, courting us. They're like, right. anything you need. And even to this day, um, they were out in the tap room here earlier today. I had, you know? I had some fantastic conversations um, at the, the groundbreaking ceremony with, oh, yeah, with, with right. a lot of the, the, the city officials and just how excited they were for this to, yeah. to, to be something. They were craft beer and fans. Not, not and, just, you know, that, just that it's here now and that, okay, now they got a brewery in their backyard. Let's go on to the next project. But they truly support it, and they're, they're involved, and they ask for our involvement in the community, and it's great. I mean, that's, that's what you want to find. Well, when you, you, you know, we're probably opening up a can of worms that we don't want to open up a time but um just butler county in general you look at what it was again a few years ago what it is now you know you guys you guys are here bridging this gap between cincinnati and dayton which is a whole topic on itself you got fig leaf just to the east that's doing amazing things over there and i know they have the big goals for you know that bridging the gap again you have municipal brew works over in hamilton you have uh, Grain Works just to the south, Dogberry just to the south. Um, I know there's a group of ladies that's looking at another place over in Hamilton that's hoping to open something up. Yeah. And you know, there's just, it's, I don't want to say it's all because of you guys, but, you, you know, just this can, this this little pocket of Cincinnati beer that's up here in Butler County is going to enable a lot of stuff to happen up here and a lot of... Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a change and it's exciting to see. Absolutely. And, um, 
everybody knows that breweries do a very good job of creating something. And I, well, it's kind of what we do. <laughs> well, <laughs> by definition, that's the perfect way. That's, <laughs> you guys create something. Oh, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> if I could find the outro. Thank you very much, Jason. No, thanks River. for having me. I, I appreciate it. Um, I, I appreciate very much you guys having me up here to Rivertown. And, oh, anytime, man. Um, keep up what you guys are doing and just keep pushing everything that people say doesn't make sense because it makes perfect sense for who you guys are. And um, keep making those pickles. Awesome. <laughs> keep making the pickles, man. We need to make a pickle beer for you. <laughs> Cincy Brewcast, <laughs> the voice of Cincy Craft.